to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get what up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 321 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Happy 4th of July to everyone out there. Um, Gotta love something about the sport of boxing, Ken. The conversation week to week just gets so ridiculous. I, I don't know how you can't love it. I think this week we've gone ahead and moved the goalpost from the end zone to the 50-yard line, and I, for one, absolutely love it, Ken. Well, it's only fair, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why go 100 yards when you only have to go 50? <laughs> oh, man. It's episode 321. We got Chris Colbert versus King Tug post-fight. We got the return of Gilberto Ramirez. Still have not seen a manufactured permission slip from his wife yet. We'll preview it anyways, right? <laughs> um let's see so we got uh zerto versus sully b jojo diaz versus javier fortuna and new on this week's episode anyways uh it's a slow week in boxing so we're gonna answer your questions our subscribers you are the most diehard uh listeners of the boxing rant podcast well let's be honest you're the only listeners <laughs> <laughs> um so let's get you guys involved uh in the meantime before we get to some of our uh our special uh, episodes that are coming up in the future. And we will have a segment where we answer your questions. And um, and then that'll do it for 321. So in the meantime, we appreciate all of you subscribing. Spread the word. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Boxing Rant. Follow us on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. Let's get to the fight preview, Vin. It's Chris Colbert versus King Tug. You and I are one of the very few people that have seen King Tug live in action. This is a hell of a replacement opponent for Chris Colbert. Um, a completely, I don't even know at this point. And it was Gamboa was the original opponent, right? Yep, yep. Uh, I'm not sure if there is much difference in style. I mean, you know, I think King Tug was a massive improvement. And it allowed us to really see, even though his style is sort of tailor-made to, to allow Chris Colbert to shine, it was good to see Chris Colbert taking on somebody as... You know, I, I I guess you could call him solid foundationally mm -hmm. um, and strong and strong as King Tug and uh, Chris Colbert put on a show, man. Yeah, the kid the kid can box. I mean, he's he's a he's a slick operator for sure. I I do think that at a certain point in that fight, he felt a little bit of of Tug's power and got a little bit tentative when he kind of maybe could have stepped on it a little bit more and went for it. But here's the other thing about Colbert is. There's not a whole lot of power there. I mean, you could see by the, the the knockout percentage. I think he's only got like five or six career knockouts to this point. Uh, it's just not there. So, you know, whether you want him to go for it or not, he really doesn't seem to possess the ability to do that. But beyond that, I mean, a, a, as far as defensively, he's, he's, he's outstanding. An outstanding defensive fighter. He puts punches together really nicely in combination. There's not much to not be excited about. I mean, when you look at the 130-pound division, you look at the other top fighters there, Shakur Stevenson, you know, Jamel Herring. I think he he slides right in with those guys and and is at least on par. If not, maybe I, you know, him and Shakur Stevenson right now is a, is an interesting conversation. They both kind of, you know, possess that they're they're unbelievable boxers, but they just don't have the power. I don't know how that fight would ever go. I'm not here to say, you know, this or that about it, but it's 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 just one of them things. Chris Colbert is going to have to be a guy that in the PBC where there's not a lot of 130 pound fighters to be had, he's on the wrong side of the street in that division. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know where they're going to dig opponents up, but we do have to remember that Yes, King Tug was a nice replacement, but he was also brought up from 126, and he's not really a big 126-pounder. So, you know, it's, it's just one of them things that I, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with Colbert's career from here because the, the talent and everything is there. I just wonder if he's got the opponents at the ready for him to be able to take that next step because we heard him on the mic this week 
The kid can talk. He doesn't mind being a little controversial, getting all up in wilder shit, <laughs> telling him he's gotten way too many yes men around him, and he lost both them fights, and he don't care. He's, he he did not stay on code, Ken, as they say in the streets. He was not on code. <laughs> but I, 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 for one, am interested. I'd like to see the kid get more shine because of that. I like, I like his brashness. I like that about him. It would be nice if his fighting style went with it and he and he pressed it a little more. But uh yeah, I, dude, I'm I you know, he's just another player in the sport now that, you know, this this young talent pool keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper in boxing. And yeah, you know we could always use more players. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no shortage on players. Um yeah, I mean to me he looks like a perfect opponent for Tank Davis. That's what he looks like to me. Um and really, and and you know what? Other than that, and no disrespect to the kid, he's just kind of a miniature poor man's version of Tony Harrison to me. I mean, he's a little bit more athletic than Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt about that. But just the same, like like good on the mic, you know, uh, flawed, like you can see it coming, kind of thing. His, his big flaw, in my opinion, is is really is just the fact that he can't hurt anybody. Yeah. A guy like Tankwit is going to eat Colbert for lunch. I don't see him being refined enough to outbox him, um, you know. But he is skilled enough and athletic enough that he could beat some good fighters. Mm-hmm. Just it, it, it's it, it's it's kind of like this Jojo Diaz factor. We're going to talk about him here in a few minutes. You know, you, you're limited. You can win a in a, in the four belt system. You can strategically maneuver yourself to a belt with no power. Mm-hmm. You know, but you cannot reign. You know what I mean? Not today. Not the way that guys fight. And even the good slick fighters that don't have any power, they're not like, I mean, they ain't all that slick. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and this speaks to a bigger problem with uh, the PBC, you know, is that you can go out and you can buy yourself a company, right? They, they pretty much did. For all intents and purposes, they performed a hostile takeover of Golden Boy Promotions. But who was supposed to develop the next generation of fighters? You know, Colbert is being forcibly touted as the, you know, the top prospect in the PBC. I mean, maybe he is. He's not a bad fighter. He's really good. Uh, But I think there is a problem when you have such a massive a stable that is aging as it is and not very many replacements to follow, at least that are on the the level uh, needed to sustain you know, said business plan moving into the future. <laughs> Colbert, Colbert clearly hasn't gotten a a big push from the PBC. I think recently they've started a, to get behind him a little bit, let him headline a couple shows. This was kind of his real first big showcase fight. Yeah, but you're right. I, he is almost one of those guys where there's like, when the PBC started, the, the, any young fighters that transitioned with them during that time, it's almost like a, a small group of them got caught in the wash because they were the PBC was so set on establishing, you know, the Keith Thurmans, the Sean Porters, their big names and getting them out there that that a small group of young guys like a Chris Colbert kind of got left on the back burner for a little bit and yeah. now they're starting to be brought back out where he's 26 going to be 27 years old here very soon. You would have thought this this would have happened 2-3 years ago. It's happening now. And, and I, I, there, he's not the only one in the PBC that I think has kind of suffered that that fate of just being just kind of just a guy in, in fucking floating around in purgatory for a couple of years and not really having a direction or a plan for his career and, and having seemingly having the skill set to have gotten a push long before he did. So that's why I'm saying, like, give the kid a push now. Let's see what happens. I don't know what the limit is for the kid. I mean, yeah, he's he's one of the is he one of the best 130 pounders in the world right now? Sure, it's just that 130 pounds is not really that deep of a division. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to speak of there. So, can he win belts and can he have success at 130? Yeah, beyond that, you know, at 135, even looking on to 140 at some point in his career, he he better do something about his punching power, or else it's going to be tough for him to just. He's going to have to box perfectly to beat the best guys in these weight divisions. Can he do it? Sure, I think seemingly he possesses that possibility with the skill set he has, but that's not an easy ask against legit, legit fighters that he's going to be going up against here in the very near future. 
Yeah, but let's not pretend he's he is much closer to Hank Lundy on the spectrum than he is uh, Floyd Mayweather when we're talking about master boxers. This is a flawed young fighter we're talking yes. about here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you're gonna <laughs> if that's the spectrum, yes, he's he's further towards the Hank Lundy end of the spectrum. <laughs> uh, because we Lundy's a, a gifted athlete, man, and he's a tough guy. Just, yeah, he, you know, just doesn't have the background. Um, anyways, um, okay, so Chris Colbert versus Tank. You want to see that fight, or is he just an opponent for Tank at this point? Could he outbox I, him? I think he could, but I don't think he could stay away from Tank for 12 rounds and not get at least dropped a couple times, if not stopped. Tank will just walk right through that incoming fire. Yeah. You know? And bullets ain't big enough to penetrate that armor, son. No, no, they ain't. All right, let's get to the fight preview, Vin. Um, we have the return of Zerto. He's apparently Ooh. allowed out of the house. Can you believe this? <laughs> he has he has fallen prey to many of a friend <laughs> that <laughs> that all of us uh, participating in this show, even the listeners, um, have a friend just like Zerto. They got married. You went to the wedding. It was fantastic. You danced with the bride. You're like, this chick is great. You wake <laughs> up next morning and you never see your buddy again. <laughs> <laughs> That's been Zerto's career, right? Yes, it has. So, um, he's taken on Sully B, another guy who seemingly uh, kind of always knew he was like, you know, a, a good, good journeyman, you know, a good B-side, good opponent, solid guy, but he's older now. You know, so this is a a good opponent for Zerto at 175 pounds. But I tell you what, man, if his wife has let him off the leash for the fight, she needs to let his hands go too. <laughs> okay, it's never been a problem about Gilberto throwing multiple punches. That's never been the problem. But he's it it, it always seems like he's holding something back. Maybe there's no power there. Um, but he's gonna need it against Sullivan Brer. Gilberto Ramirez. His career has become so, I don't, I don't want to say unnecessary. <laughs> that's like, that's like final. <laughs> it kind of, it kind of is though, honestly. It, it's just a, it's just a waste of everybody's time, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, he was on our first prospect list and what wasn't there to love about this guy? You know, when, when you're fighting prospects, Everybody looks like they got world-beating power, right? It's the biggest <laughs> fucking Mexican I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I, And he's a handsome devil to boot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking when this guy's career started, I'm thinking, man, this this dude might change the fucking game. Like, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, it's just it never developed. It never went anywhere. The combination punching. It's like I can, I can almost – envision i don't even need to watch it i can see i already know what gilberto ramirez is going to do I, I already know the combinations he's going to throw he's not going to sit on any punches he doesn't even really break guys down he just touches them up all night and it's the weirdest weirdest thing in the world where you're like you see this massive man who should be able to knock your fucking head off but he just plays patty cake with in in every fight i just I, I I could not be honestly more disinterested in this main event. And, and sure, you know, if he comes back and performs well, good, good for him. It's another name at the top of the sport. 168 pounds certainly needs names. Uh, or 175 pounds certainly needs names. But come on, man. I, there's just what? Do, what do you want from me? This guy is giving me nothing. Why the fuck should I care, Ken? That's what I would ask. Like, why would I? Sullivan Barrera is he's past it, man. He's past it. I don't even remember the last time he fought. I can't even remember yeah. it. He's so old. He's, you know, you know, I think they say he's 40 or 41. But I mean, you know, he's definitely he's he, that's a I, I that's an island 40, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he in the same graduating class as Louis Ortiz. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he ain't 40. Um, I don't want to go as far as saying he's a shot fighter, but he's fucking spent, man. You know, yeah. the, the scary thing is, though, he's good enough. He can beat Gilberto in this fight. And, you know, that's the thing about Gilberto's career. This should not even be a question. Like, this should just be, we should dismiss this not because we're disinterested. We should dismiss this because the fight's a formality. 
Yeah. I think <laughs> right? it's going to be a very boring fight on top of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the thing that's all that visually about Gilberto Ramirez's style that's always really pissed me off. It's not the obvious thing, like fight taller and longer. That's not it at all. It's that he's sitting down on his punches, but he's not. He's sitting down <laughs> on his he, he's sitting down on a stool while he's throwing his punches. Yeah, it's like, hey, I know I'm six three, but I prefer to fight at five eleven. It's like what? so he's like squatted in this posture. Where like you feel like if he just fucking turned into this motherfucker and he could use his leverage, let's say how Sergey Kovalev gets his power on the end of his punches, right? Right. We talk about a guy whose power is like at his fingertips is a guy like Kovalev. You would think that Gilberto Ramirez would possess seemingly the same thing, but he's just like, eh. eh. They're arm punches, dude. That's all he does. He throws arm punches. But he beat uh, fucking uh, Abraham. I mean, so that you got that. Ooh, Arthur Abraham, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was the career-defining fight. Dude, Abraham was, he was past it 10 years before that fight. Yeah, he was past, <laughs> he was past it in the Super 6 tournament in 2006. <laughs> he was, because he really was his best self at 160 pounds. That's where yeah. he fucking er- earned that rep coming in to the 168-pound tournament, which is why he was favored. Uh. People forget about that. Unbelievable. I, anytime that thought enters my head, I'm like, who in the fuck was making the odds for that? I mean, I was a like at that point in time in my life was a boxing fan, but I would I guess I'd have to label myself a casual because I wasn't on, uh, you know, blog sites or or whatever at the time, you know, discussion rooms and all that shit. But even no, you were just at the fight, you were just yeah. at the fight. I just watched and was there and, you know, all that shit. <laughs> I, I, I saw that. I'm like, hold on. You. Andre Ward ten to one, as, as as the underdog to win this tournament. You you must be out of your mind. You're lucky. I was only twenty three or twenty four years old and didn't have enough money to fucking put on Andre Ward at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man. Hey, look, you can have a conversation about Zerto, and it gets interesting. Yeah, you, you know? just have to go move away from Zerto. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta just apply the uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know? <laughs> You'll find somebody associated with him that has a cool story. <laughs> yeah, I I totally predict a uh, uh, Gilberto Ramirez uh, probably a lopsided decision. He'll probably throw seven hundred and fifty punches, yep. and um, none of them will be meaningful. Nope. <laughs> And he'll win. A, he'll win one nineteen to one oh nine. Whoopie do, Ken. Whoopie do. Then in the co-feature, which should be a, a pretty competitive fight, it's a dichotomy of fighters. Though you have a very highly skilled one of the probably. I I, I think you can make an argument. Jojo Diaz on just skill alone is probably one of the top twenty twenty five fighters in the world. Period. If if it's just the category of skill, unfortunately. He also um, beats Gilberto Ramirez in the lack of power department. We're talking about one of the most pillow-fisted elite fighters in boxing. Because don't get it wrong. Jojo Diaz, he may be a head case and a few hair colors. Uh, you know, uh, He's a horse of a different color. Whatever. Not going to fault the guy for that. But this dude is a really slick boxer, dude. He's, he, 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 he truly is a pleasure to watch. But he has no power, and now he's stepping up, and he's taking on a guy that is very awkward, that I could see a classic boxer struggling a little bit with. Fortuna's there to be caught. He's there to be hit. I mean, this motherfucker's a knockout away. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he, he's so sloppy. But he's also, he's got more power than Jojo Diaz. You would, you would think. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a fun fight. It just try to look past the fact that this is probably gonna go the distance. It, it could look cool, but I mean, dude, at one thirty-five, Jojo Diaz, who's he gonna beat? Everybody at one thirty-five that's a player, maybe minus Haney, has got fucking elite power, dude. Yeah, I, it's gonna be a long road for him at one thirty-five for sure. But I would echo everything you said from a skills perspective. I. I I, I love this fight because I think their styles match up perfectly. I think mm-hmm. Jojo Diaz is a is a almost slept on counter puncher, uh, has a great counter left hand. 
I think Javier Fortuna leaves himself wide open way too much, like you said. And I think I think Jojo Diaz is going to look really good, really good landing big shots. It's can he hurt him? Can, can he hurt him just a little bit? I don't think he can. He could barely do it at 130 with some of these guys. Now he Couldn't do it at 122, uh, Vin. And, and I will even go as far as to say he has, outside of Lomachenko beating Gary Russell Jr., he gave Gary Russell Jr. the toughest fight he's had as a professional. That was from a skills perspective that he was able to do that. His boxing skills allowed him to be able to stay in a fight with Gary Russell Jr., which is not easy. You know, you we can talk as much shit as you want about Gary Russell Jr., but the guy can box, and you're not just going to step in there and, and, and put on the performance that JoJo Diaz did unless you can box yourself. So the kid's got all that going for him. This is kind of a setup fight for him to like, dude, this guy's here to be had. I don't think Javier Fortuna is the same Javier Fortuna that we saw three, four years ago. I think he's got some miles on the odometer now. He's been in some tough fights. He's taken some shots. He's there to be taken. So, JoJo, go do it. And if you can't, you know, it's a little disappointing. And you might want to worry about, you know, instead of worrying about what fucking hair, what color your hair is going to be in the next fight, (laughs) like get a nutritionist and get your ass back down to 130. Because at 130, you could be the man right now. You really could be. There's a lot of young talent there in Colbert and Stevenson, but you could kind of be the overseer of that for whatever reason. And that's Jojo Diaz, man. That's his career. It's kind of, he's interested. He's not interested. His hair's green. His hair's purple. It's, I don't, he's just a weird cat, dude. And, and his career is kind of played out that way. But I'll say this. I'm looking forward to that fight because I think it's going to be a highly, highly entertaining scrap. Oh, I completely agree. You know, the obvious matchup to me, somebody who needs an opponent is Devin Haney. Um, but apparently Devin Haney is done with Matram, and apparently Matram doesn't want him back. So uh, good thing he's such a wizard at self-promoting. He shouldn't have any problems, you know, because... I said it on previous episodes. I don't mean to just jump over to Haney, but it does relate to Jojo Diaz and DAZN, uh, Javier Fortuna even, right? Uh-huh. Um, but good thing that, you know, uh, Haney Promotions invested in uh, all the scaffolding and lights, and they have a uh, a fleet of 18-wheelers and a, televis- a television truck. They bought, the, I th- I'm pretty sure, with his millions and millions, he bought the HBO Boxing After Dark truck. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> so he's in good shape. He'll be, he'll be good. He'll be fine on his own. So uh, the, he, um, <laughs> he, what you're telling me is he can't afford to sign himself and promote himself or, well, he's, he's invested. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows, who knows where this goes? I, I, I think that he can hang with anybody. I think Jojo Diaz can box with anybody. Yep. Um, but don't move up because, you know, things are falling apart and, and like, you, like you can't keep it together anymore. You know what I mean? Like it just a uh, ah, we got to try, try to squeeze some money out of this yeah. kind of thing because I, I don't think the run at one thirty five is going to be fruitful, and unless you're willing to be an opponent. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of it, knowing JoJo Diaz and who he is as a fighter and what his careers have been, I think he thinks and knows he's kind of at the end of the road a little bit. So one thirty five is where the most lucrative paychecks will be, and uh, I don't think he minds being the opponent to get those paychecks. No, hell no, man. Yeah, man, that's good money at one thirty five right yeah. now. Yep, for shizzle. Um, all right, Vin, let's get to uh, the last fight here on the preview card: Tim Zhu versus Stevie Sparks. <laughs> oh, Stevie, Stevie Sparks. Sounds like an old American gladiator character, doesn't it? It does. It's, <laughs> sounds like the guy that that would be on like Nitro's shoulder with a like, launching rubber bands at you. <laughs> or the guy in the tower with the tennis ball launcher. <laughs> oh, man. I have no idea who Stevie Sparks is. I really don't care. Um, you know, the big thing for Tim Zhu is getting... He's he's clearly made a name for himself um, on the former British prison camp, yes. known as Australia. 
Um, but he's going to have to come off of the gigantic island and travel to North America and Europe more often and make his talents available over here. Because I do believe that he has, that this is, this is good DNA passed down from the legendary father. This isn't uh, Shane Mosley Jr. <laughs> no, this is, yeah, this isn't, uh, this isn't Connor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. I think this is a little bit different. It feels different when you're watching him. He looks, everything about him looks legit. It's just everything's been done, you know, in Australia. You got to like, and I, uh, you know, Zarafa was who his opponent was supposed to be, and Stevie Sparks was the late replacement. I feel like even after he beats Stevie, they're going back to Zarafa because they're gonna they like they want to clean out the island. Like they've 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 got the Dennis Hogan already. They got the 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 Jeff Horn. Like they're gonna they're gonna take care of all that and become a megastar there, which makes sense. I get it. Before they take him to the states or 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 to the UK or wherever he goes next. But the talent's there, man. This kid's kids kids got some fucking some bad intentions by the way he fights, and he fight he fights like his daddy. He really does. He's a couple couple weight classes above him. Yeah, you know, I I think the best thing for his career, uh, you know, other than coming to where people like actually watch and pay big bucks for boxing, um, like over here, <laughs> right? I think the best thing for his career would be to capitalize off of, you know, what they're doing in the U S right now. I don't know who big YouTube stars or anything like that, but I could think of some celebrity death matches. Uh, right. We could do, <laughs> we, we could do Tim zoo versus, um, Adam Scott. Ooh, would that, would that be a fair fight? I like it. You know, would Adam Scott be able to use his long putter? Would that be allowed in the fight? These are things to consider, but I think it would be a great match. <laughs> There's plenty of options still. <laughs> I, I was sitting there while you were talking, and I started to drift, and I was like, hold on a second. So who are – I'm trying to think of some famous people from Australia that aren't just, like, random, like, out of this, like, almost sort of fake-looking beautiful women. They're, like, 12s out of 10, right? <laughs> right. That, like, appear as, like, the hot chick in a movie. Other than that <laughs> – I don't know any famous Australians. Oh, there's that one country music singer, Keith Keith Urban. Oh, is he Australian? Yeah, and Tom Cruise is Australian by because he shagged because he shagged one, right? <laughs> if they want to claim him, go ahead. You can have him. <laughs> our friend, Aaron, our friend Aaron from Down Under is going to be. He's probably fucking blowing gaskets right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. We don't get like, you know, look, <clears throat> I live pretty damn close to Canada and I work with a bunch of Canadians. And one of the things that I, <laughs> I realize in these conversations and I say it to these people, I'm like, this is fascinating. I didn't know Canadians were so different than Americans. And I'll say to them, I'm like, we never fucking learned a thing about Canada in school. <laughs> we didn't even dude. I thought the Yukon was just a place where, like in Alaska, where they did the Gold Rush show. I didn't right. know it was like a, I didn't know it was the name of a state in Canada. It's no. an actual like it's a state, and it's not the. <laughs> it's just called Yukon. Right? <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about Australia. So we get these stereotypical points of view. You know what I mean? I don't know. I got yeah. I got, I got zero file on Canada. None. <laughs> um yeah and you know but i do prefer um australia because uh their women seem to be attracted to us so they do that they do there's that okay um enough um patting each other on our own shoulder tim zoo come to america please yes please um all right let's get to this question segment of the show and for this i will need my <laughs> spectacles all right let me put my let me put my grandpa glasses on here, Vin. And we're going to start with a transition right into Tim Zoo. Okay. Have you watched any of Tim Zoo's fights? And if so, what are your thoughts on his prospect? This question comes from Lee Kelly. Love your work, guys. Loving the pay-per-view clout. Yeah, you get that pay-per-view clout. <laughs> it feel good, <laughs> don't it? It feel good. <laughs> it's like rubbing silk on your balls for the first time. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. I, I think his prospects are extremely high in a, in a division, in my opinion, that if he came over to America right now, uh, the timing would be ripe for the taking, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, you got a couple guys at the top of the division that are probably about done with their run. Uh, and Jermel Charlo, uh, you got that, uh, Charlo Castano fight for a full unification at 154. I'm guessing that the belts become available, uh, shortly after that. Cause I, I'm thinking Jermel moves up to 160 or maybe he hangs out at 154. Cause I can tell you what, I'd love to see Tim Zhu develop a little bit more and Jermel Charlo still be there because that would be a fucking outstanding fight. Now, clearly Tim Zhu is not on that level right now, but possesses enough skills and enough power from what I've seen to, to possibly get there. So yeah, dude, I, I this is the most exciting uh, son of, a, of an ex-fighter that we have in boxing by a long shot and in a long time, really. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, one of the all-time greats at his weight class, his old man is. Yep. You know? Um yeah, I mean, look, I think the the fight Tim Zoo needs, I don't know if this is the opponent or if it's even possible to make, but would 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 be the fight that I would want to see before the Charlo fight. Give me Tim Zoo versus Julian Williams. I think that that is such a great crossroads fight. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's there's gonna there's gonna be an opponent where you get him over here where it's, he's not gonna jump obviously right into that you know right into a, a title fight in this country. So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to dip his toes into the pond, and that's a perfect opponent. There's a bunch of them at 154. There's guys that are you know the the Justin Deloches of the world and and all Jared Heard. Yeah, the the guys that the PBC has a bunch of 154 pound fighters that he could come over and kind of get him a couple scalps and then and and make a run at it. And I, and I think. We're going to see that in the future. I think this kid has what it takes to get there. Does he win when he gets there? I don't know, but he's got what it takes to get to that point. All right, let's keep it, uh, I mean, related to the zoos anyways, right? This one comes from Derek Hanfland, and uh, it says, if Zab Judah was blocking your view of a fight, <laughs> would you tell him to sit down? <laughs> Zab. As we know, his is Tim Zhu's father famously um, created. Well, he didn't create a punch that landed on Zab Judah. Created the phrase "stanky legs." <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you this: Zab seemed like he got a little bit of that G in him. I don't know if I'm gonna fuck with Zab. I might say, <laughs> "Excuse me, sir. Um, is it possible that you could maybe sit down? If not, it's okay. I'm just asking." <laughs> if not, it would be more than acceptable if you would like to sit on my shoulders. <laughs> and can I have an autograph and a selfie, please? Yeah, I ain't, fu <laughs> I ain't fucking with those super, super zab. Sorry, I ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. This one comes from Dustin Sykes. Totally random, but being from Ohio, I was a big fan of Kelly Pavlik. His HBO fights were always a blast. Obviously not the best defensive fighter, but dude had power. At his peak, could he hang with the current middleweights? Then this one teed up for you because Kelly Pavlik, your boy. I, look, at his peak, at his absolute peak, which was after the first Jermaine Taylor fight, uh, yeah, uh, that, that Kelly Pavlik, there was something special about the way that he could hurt a guy. I mean, he had some heavy, heavy, heavy hands and had a sneaky fast one, two that he dropped it on you and the lights went out. And when the lights went out, you might not have fallen, but he's going to turn them out on you with a just absolutely like he could put a, put punches together when he had you hurt and on the ropes and he'd pick his shots. He wouldn't just throw wild. He he'd pick his uppercut and it just, he was just an unbelievable finisher. Go back to, I, I'll tell anybody right now, you want an entertaining ass fight, go back and watch Kelly Pavlik versus, uh, uh, Prescott. That's like two, three fights before the Taylor fight. Just un fucking like just the action and unbelievable back and forth in that fight. One thing about Kelly Pavlik was he did take punches and eventually it caught up to him as a fighter. And yeah, his fucking lifestyle outside of the ring, too. But let me tell you what, that prime Kelly Pavlik at 160, yeah. Do I think that he could have he could have fought a Danny Jacobs or or even a Canelo Alvarez or a Triple G and been competitive. Absolutely, absolutely. That was a dangerous, dangerous man with a with a dangerous right hand. It was just a short lived fucking run from his lifestyle outside of the ring. You hate to have seen that happen, 
but it is what it is. I mean, he had some some tough fights there towards the end. Sergio beat him up pretty bad. Bernard Hopkins made him look kind of silly there towards the end. But at, at one point in time, hell yes, Kelly Pavlik at 160 could compete with the 160s of today, especially right now at 160, because there ain't much. 160, Jesus Christ, that's a fucking wasteland right now. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, okay, so if you took – if you put uh, a prime Golovkin, because the Golovkin that's there now is not prime Golovkin, but if you right. took prime Golovkin and, and prime Canelo and added them to the mix, I agree, great fights, but those chins are at a different oh, level yeah. than, than Pavlik's power was, because those are two all-time great chins, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and I think um, Golovkin's power is better than Pavlik's, so yeah. But Kelly Pavlik in his prime versus right now's Jermall Charlo. Oh, I love that fight. Yeah, Demetrius Andre, uh, yep. a, any of those guys, man. Uh, uh, Sergey Derevianchenko, all of them. He would he would fare very well in all those fights. All right, Kelly Pavlik making an appearance, man. Vin, you got the tinglys <laughs> over there. <don't> you? <laughs> oh man! All right, this one comes from uh, Ben North. I think he is the either the son or the identical twin of Peter North Ooh, from my understanding. Intriguing. So this guy, this guy has a giant dick <laughs> shoots buckets, son. <laughs> just, dropping, just dropping ropes all over the place. Says to the, to the ladies want to go for, want to go for a ride on splash mountain. <laughs> Ride at your own risk. (laughs) (laughs) We hand out special raincoats while you wait in line. (laughs) Okay, Ben North. (laughs) Thanks for subscribing. (laughs) Uh, Vin, who would you rather have a night on the town with? Oscar or Kodo? Uh, you know, and this is a really, really tough question because immediately you're like, Kodo probably going to try to do some butt stuff with me at some point. I ain't down with that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then you're like, <laughs> but then you're like, so you get Oscar, you get enough, you get enough <laughs> high octane going through him. You give him some drinks and a couple toots. He might do the same thing. So I. You make the call on this one, player. <laughs> I'm putting my arm around both guys when we get to the bar, and I'm buying them drinks. <laughs> I'll step away. I'll wipe my hands off, and I'll say, this house is clear. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine the fucking scenes? Those two fucking hammered. I mean, those two personalities, like, just lock them in a room and just, just turn them. <laughs> Turn them loose for fucking 12 hours, you know, send in some random, you know, bystanders or whatever to see what happens. It's like like the scenes with, uh, with Mr. Deeds and John McEnroe. (laughs) 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 You remember that they catch on film? (laughs) Run around fucking drunk, vandalizing cars. (laughs) Uh, oh, shit. I, I, I honestly i would love to go out and fucking party with either one of them all fucking night i just i could just see a dude fucking oscar sitting there and they're all fucking wasted he's like put your put your nutsack on my head and take a picture <laughs> <laughs> and they're both just laughing their asses off you can see oscar get down between his legs just being like <laughs> Can you believe how big his nuts are? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> um, so, yeah, needless to say, we definitely start the evening with the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man. Uh, let's keep going here on these questions. This is fun. Uh, let's see. Keith Thurman says uh, he's never heard of Boots Ennis and wants to fight for a title. So he's out there making his prop, uh, proclamations again, giving us his, his business plan. In today's world, that uh, shouldn't be too hard to do. But do you guys think he's en route to becoming someone like Gamboa? Screw you, sir. Okay. <laughs> Screw you, sir. Uh, that How one comes you? from Jose Saez. <laughs> 
Well, uh, isn't he already Gamboa? I mean, honestly, this at this point in time, Keith Thurman, I don't like. I can't. Uh, I can only flippantly defend the motherfucker at this point, dude. It's it's beyond a fucking joke. Uh, you don't know who Boots Ennis is? Yeah. Okay, Keith. Just like uh, you know, it, 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 he's the exact opposite of what he was coming up. Like, oh, nobody wants to fight me. Nobody knows who I am. I can't get a big fight. Now you're doing the same fucking thing. Man, he's, it's, it's what it's, it, we're going on fucking, we're creeping towards the three year mark, honestly, of no fight, nothing announced. What are you doing? Who gives a fuck about Keith Thurman anymore? Honestly, what'd you do with his t-shirts? I still got them. I, that don't mean I ain't rocking the t-shirt now. Still catching ropes with them things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got, I got, the, I got the rally towel for that, son. <laughs> Keith Thurman rally towel? No, I got two of them. Keep, <laughs> keep, keep one fresh and keep one crunchy, son. <laughs> oh, okay, here's one from uh, Pinderman Dare. I have a question for you boys. Would you rather go out on a mad night? <laughs> what do these fucking people think we are? <laughs> Clearly, degenerates. Jeez. Um, okay. Uh, would you rather go on a mad night out with Adrian Broner or would you prefer a night out in the Manolo drip with your boy, Mr. Danny Montana? <laughs> I got, I look, I'm a Manolo drip man through and through, but I got to roll with my man AB on this one. I, you know, we might just really, who doesn't want to just eat pussy in the back of a cab? Ken, you fucking you get me. That, you you want to eat that bitch's pussy? I might. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> let me get in. Let me get into what AB is getting into, son. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, what if, what if, what if Danny Montana threw in his twin sisters? Uh, sometimes the way he, the way he be putting them on Instagram, he might. You know, like, damn, what's your sisters, dude? <laughs> are they old enough to be to, to holler at for you? Or are you like way, way too old for them? I mean, I know you're old enough to be their daddy and shit, but you know. I might be almost 40, Ken, but uh, let's say I I can turn back the clock and look 25, 26. No problem. All right, player. It's no problem. (laughs) Remember what I told you, man. Fucking water pressure goes low when you get older. It just fucking drips. (laughs) Good. I need it to drip. I ain't trying to blast nothing at this point in time. Drip onto the the floor. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Anton Searle. Uh, do you see Tank being matched against Josh Taylor in the future? Or is all the current talk just drumming up interest in Tank from TMT from a UK fan? Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's based on what we've heard from Ellerby, they're not campaigning at 140. So I don't, I don't think so. And Josh Taylor's not going to be at 140, but for one more fight that we already know he has, uh, unless Tank steps in, which you know, say what you want about Tank as a 140 pound fighter and uh, and only holding a regular belt, but you know, I guess if he's in that weight class, he's the one that holding that bag for the, for anybody that wants to fight him. So if you know if Josh Taylor wants a payday and they're willing and wants to stick around, maybe it's a possibility. But I don't fucking think so. I don't think Tank wants that, dude. I, I like Tank a lot. Josh Taylor, really? Josh Taylor, the Josh Taylor that we've seen. Over the last 18 months. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? This is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show with the goalpost moving. Like yeah. that one fight. Now all of a sudden Tank Davis is beating Josh Taylor. It's like the level of fucking absurdity in these conversations. I can't even I, I can't even entertain the shit no more. Well, I'm going to ask you to entertain it one more time. Uh, this one comes from Scott Lame. Then he says the Tank fanboys are all over the message boards in full force, swinging from his nutsack after grabbing yet another fake-ass belt. Then Tyson says that Davis is the greatest fighter out there now. They act like that justifies the nutswinging even more. <laughs> what, do you t- what do you tell these tank fanboys? Look, fanboy it up all you want. I don't, I'm not going to listen to your dumb asses. I've seen more casual takes since this fight because, like we talked about in the last episode, Tank Davis brings a casual boxing fan base in other athletes from other sports that only watch fights every once in a while. 
and they start dropping in and they start dropping these lines. And I get that was Mike Tyson. Obviously, his his uh, his opinion is respected, but uh, it shouldn't be. And it has nothing to do with. It has to do with the drugs he takes now as an adult. <laughs> he's always tripping on some kind of fungus. Like, should, should we take it? Is he is he connected in a higher plane that we should trust this wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> he works on the same plane as me, so I'm good. I'm good with Mike. I think he's taking a a few more hits to the head, though, Vin. <laughs> oh, he certainly has. Um. Okay. Let's see here. Uh. You know what, man? Fanboys swinging from nuts. I'm all about it, man. Uh, you know, it's if happen. you got, yeah, if you can grab onto a good few strong embedded, deeply ingrained curlies, you know, some of the older one, the aged ones, dude, you can swing, boy. you can, you can fucking swing and I'll do it. But I think we really need to stop calling it that bag or chasing that bag or securing that bag. Right. Yes. Let's, <clears throat> we need to just change it to sack. Because it's really the same thing in a sense, right? So let's just call it, let's replace that word from here now forward on the show. And we can just say chasing that. (laughs) Chasing that satchel, son. (laughs) Oh, we got some players be listening to this show. That's all about chasing that sack. (laughs) Okay, Vin, here's one from Adam Wright. The last 10 years. Who has the most frustrating career to follow in boxing? Look, you get caught, you get trapped in the prisoner of the moment kind of thing. I'm, I'm right now. My frustration lies solely with Terrence Crawford and Top Rank. So, uh, you know, I, that's where that energy for me is solely directed at right now. So it's kind of hard to see through the forest right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I am full, fully disappointed in the just. I don't know the overall disinterest of the career of Terrence Crawford by all parties, including the fighter himself. So I'm a prisoner of the moment for sure. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be a prisoner of the moment too. And maybe not, you know, it's cause it's just 10 years. It's hard to think of all the disappointments in boxing as there's been thousands of them. Uh, but I'm going to go with Golovkin over the last, let's say 18 months and the way that uh, he's kind of conducted his career as a heel towards the end. Not going to say I blame him for it, any of it, but uh, he's kind of become what he hated at one point in his career. So it's kind of like, it's a little frustrating as a Golovkin fan, but you know what? I'm not mad at the dude, but it's getting frustrating at this point. Like, come on, man. Like, if you're going to say you're not retired, then let's fight some people and not just, you know, line up a bunch of stiffs. It's not interesting at this point. Nobody cares anymore. So that's, you know, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head right now. No, but I think it's, it's, it's fair. I mean, it is frustrating. You know, I'm as big a Golovkin fan as there is out there. You know, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. And, you know, it, it, it is frustrating. And it doesn't matter why you're frustrated at the guy. You know, I mean, I'm of the opinion that he's fully rightful in behaving this way. I, so I, smart, I am you know? too. I, I share that same thought, but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, and it certainly doesn't make it any less frustrating. No. <laughs> um, okay. Let's do a couple more. Uh, Alex Winston, then bucks or sons in the NBA finals. Uh, give me sons in six. See, I would pick the sons if Giannis was playing, but he's not <laughs> uh, at least at the beginning of the series. So I'm going to go with the Bucks. <laughs> I know that's some super contrarian thinking, that but is. I just think sometimes with Giannis on the floor, it reminds me a little bit. Giannis is better, so don't think I'm comparing the player per se. But as growing up as a Knicks fan, watching that 98-99 Latrell Sprewell Knicks fan, uh, Knicks team, Giannis got a little bit of Latrell in him. Like, like, calm down, brother. <laughs> you need to calm down and on the court a little bit. That Allen, you know, the Allen Houston Latrell Sprewell Knicks from back in the day. Oh man, and the ghost of Patrick Ewing, right? Yeah, we, yeah. the the very end of it. Yeah. Um. All right. 
Yeah, Bucks or Suns. So I'm going with the Bucks. You're going with the Suns. You laying any uh, cheddar or cabbage as the as the kids be saying? I don't be laying no cheddar on the NBA because I don't trust them referees, son. I don't. I just every every time I sit down and watch a whole game, I get so frustrated with the way an NBA game is refereed and just the the flow of the game. Now I know that's old white guy speak, but uh, yeah, I, I just can't. Anytime I've gambled on the NBA, it's it's like. You want to have a you want to take years off your life, have a have a bet that's got you know that's that's hanging in the ballads with two minutes left in an NBA game in the fourth quarter. That will be the most excruciating thirty minutes of your fucking life. Watching that foul shots, whistles blown, timeouts. It's like fucking Christ. <laughs> so you hating on my dad's homeboy from high school, Scott Foster? Oh, What's yeah. up, man? Yeah, fuck Scott Foster, son. <laughs> yeah, dude. Him and my dad were were homeboys in high school. Him and fucking and uh, and fucking Eddie live across the street from Simon's. <laughs> <laughs> them three fucking them three fucking running the streets together. You know what I'm saying? I ran into Scott. I ran into Scott at a high school basketball game, probably like 20 years ago, and I think it was still before the whole referee scandal because his name was implicated because he was called or involved in that in some, some way, shape or form, but he was completely exonerated. I don't know if he's still considered one of the best refs in the NBA or not. It's not saying much. I mean, they get paid a lot of money to be swayed one way or the other, I think, but uh, I'll never forget it, man. It's me and another one of our buddies. I think we were sitting right in front of him or whatever. And we're turning every foul called. Is that a foul? Is that a foul? He was like, he was like, guys, I'm here to fucking watch the game. Leave me alone. Shut up, you nerds. <laughs> oh shit. Anyways, all right, let's get away from the fucking. Uh, that is more NBA than I've actually watched all year. Oh really? <laughs> right then. Yes. Um. All right. Let's see. Uh, one or two more, and we'll be done with this, Vin. This one comes from Fernando Flores, Vin. After this WBC tournament in the super flyweight class, if Chocolatito manages to beat both Estrada and the winner of Quadris Rungvisai, will he have anything left to prove? No, he's got nothing left to prove already, honestly. I mean, the, the, it's just a generational fucking pound-for-pound pound star, dude. I No, I... The guy's got nothing left to prove to me ever in any fight. I don't care if he gets knocked out by Estrada in this next fight. That will not change anything for me. Uh, one of the two, three greatest small fighters of all time, period. Yeah. Yeah, easily. Um, enjoy it, folks. Wank freely. Yes. And, of- and often, please. <laughs> Last question comes from Miguel. Hey guys, who's your favorite Mexican fighter of all time? For me, is Juan Manuel Marquez. Um, just just the way that that dude operated in the ring, his style of fighting, his his ability to be able to counter punch and and, and mix it up at the same time, uh, the way he put punches together, his toughness, fighting everybody he could possibly fight. Sans Eric Morales, I understand that that. He wanted no part of Eric Morales or whatever the case was back in the day, or uh, Nacho Bearstein wanted no part of it, whatever it was. I, I, you know, beyond all that, there was no fighter that every fight he was in. Did anybody ever get knocked down more, get up off the canvas, and beat the shit out of whoever knocked them down for the remainder of a fight? I mean, the guy just had this uncanny ability to to survive and recover. And then start putting it on, guys. It's it's just uh, you can put on any one of his fights, almost any one of them, and they are outstanding from an entertainment perspective. Yeah, I'm I'm going JMM for sure. Well, let me open up Manny Pacquiao's resume real quick, and let me see which Mexican fighter I'll choose <laughs> because because he fought uh, three of the top five. Mexicans of all time, <laughs> maybe, or three of the top six anyways. We always forget about senior. You know, I, it, it'd be easier, easy for me to go to JC Superstar on this one um, just because of the longevity, uh, the run he went on with Tyson. Um, people forget about that, uh, you know, the big drama show, little drama show existed well before Triple G and Chocolatito 
storm the scenes, uh, you know, five, six years ago. I mean, this was, um, you know, a big thing to be a part of Mike Tyson, to have your trailer hitched to that. I don't know if it added or if it took away from Chavez's, uh, his legacy, you know, fighting in, in stadiums in Mexico with over 125,000 people in the arena. I mean, you know, his fighting style, um, there's really controversial fights. So much to love about Chavez, the Marquez Vasquez trilogies. I mean, dude, those fights alone, I wouldn't pick either one of them as my favorite Mexican fighter of all time. Favorite Mexican on Mexican crime. (laughs) 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 Absolutely. Those are legendary. Eyes were lost in those fights. You know what I mean? Um, But for me, again, uh, you know, it comes down to, um, you know, a prisoner of the moment thing for me. And, you know, I'm just going to have to say it's probably Canelo. I think when it's all said and done, Canelo may go down as the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. I know people hate to hear that, but, you know, when you're talking, it's, it's, it's the, just the fact that he's crossed over. Um, he, he's, he's changed. He's developed. He's, he's morphed into something that is truly all time great. Um, I, yeah, no, he's not. We get it. We're sleeping. You know, we're, we're, we're sleeping on the like the throwback guys. You know the the Salvador Sanchez, the Ricardo Lopez, all those great. I don't have a I don't have a database. Yeah, I, you know, like boxing for me starts with Julio Cesar Chavez's Tyson run. Like that's where my memory begins for boxing. Right. I've seen I've seen the old footage, but that's my viewing starts there. Right. Right. And, and that's where I look at it too. Like, sure, I could you know I could be the boxing hipster and like say, oh yeah. You know, I like Carlos Zarate better. It's just all those guys are fucking great. But, you know, my lifetime is, is Marquez. You're saying Canelo. And honestly, those two guys are will probably be in the top five, six of greatest Mexican fighters of all time in any list almost. Yeah. And then, you know, you got Morales and, and, and Barrera. And like yeah. you said, Sanchez. I mean, yep. dude, you picked the names out of a hat. We're talking about, the, you know, the greatest fighters of all time. Yes. So. Um, you got a problem with that? That's some fucking sour milk that you're going to have to digest. <laughs> not me. All right, Van, let's get some news and notes and get out of here. Advanced conversations for a fall showdown in process. Mikey Garcia versus Regis Progre, uh, potentially for a fight at 140 pounds. I, I got to be honest with you, Vin. I, I'm really surprised that this fight interests Mikey Garcia. This seems like a fight that a guy that's trying to build their legacy would be interested in taking, not a guy that's looking for big ticket items on, on sale, you know, like this goes against what Mikey Garcia's sort of career plan has been since he has been free from the shackles of Bob Arum. Oh, well color me skeptical Ken, because I'm not sure I believe this fight. Like I know they say it's an advanced talks and that's coming from the mouth of Eddie Hearn. We've heard about his advanced talks for the last six months for another fight. It's just, I have some pause for that reason. And for what you just said, how big is the payday here now on the zone? This is a big fight for them there. We all know their pockets are a little deeper. Maybe they can dig down and, and, and get Garcia that whatever his minimum, I'm guessing his minimum is, has got to be four mil for a fight that that's minimum. I'm thinking, and I think he got he got seven or eight for the Spence fight, didn't he? He did, yeah. And clearly, this is nowhere near as big as that. I, yeah, it's a great fight, like style wise. I, I think it could be a really good fight. But I also think these are two guys that sometimes boxing fans tend to like. I, I I think both of them are really good. Don't get me wrong, but some guys like to prop these two guys up like they're a little bit better than they actually are. Mikey Garcia being one of them. Where I said it this week, like. Somebody made a comment about Keith Thurman only fighting four times in five years. And I was like, yeah, and Mikey Garcia's only fought five times in four years. Like he's not far from being in that stratosphere of of fighter, Mikey Garcia. He's just most of the time is disinterested. When a big payday comes around, he every once in a while, he's, uh, yeah, okay. My interest is back up. It's peaking again. But I I don't know, man. I I just this is not a fight I see Mikey Garcia taking. I hope he does, and if he does, I, I'm happy for him. But yeah. 
you got to you got to at least question it at this point in time. Yeah, there, I mean, there can't be two more high level fighters around this weight class that I am more disinterested in, and there may not be a fighter that is coming that a high level fighter like a top ten fighter at one forty that's coming off of a worse performance than Regis Progray is in a performance that only you and I remember because we watched the Triller pay-per-view that it was tucked into when everybody, it was like right when the Regis Progray fight was about to start is right when everybody's hallucinogens started peaking simultaneously <laughs> that were, that were calling that fight. So the call of it was a total shit show, right? Yep. And Progray Pro had, whoever selected Ivan Redcatch for the opponent should be castrated, should now live amongst eunuchs because it did nothing for him. Why would Mikey Garcia run to the toughest, most nondescript fight available at 140? Yeah, the toughest challenger at 140 that doesn't have a belt. Or doesn't make a big payday. It's like none of this yeah, adds up. <laughs> no, not for the Mikey Garcia fucking lifestyle plan. No. All right, back on. It's off. Rigo's out. He's in. The old curmudgeon. We can't get this motherfucker to smile regardless. But I can tell you what has been revived along with this John Riel, Casimero, Guillermo Rigondeau fight <clears throat> is Rigondeau's Twitter account has been fired up again. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, and it was the funniest fucking... First off, what do you think about this fight? And then... Is there going to be testing for this, or is, is that kind of a moot point at this point? That's you know it. I don't give a fuck. I'd like to see all these guys juicing. That's the funny part about it is the, the Donaire-Casimero fight falls apart over Vada, and you know by the end of it, both of Vada's said both are enrolled, but whatever, still falls apart. It is what it is, and this fight gets brought back to the table, and it's like, is there Vada testing for this one? Hasn't been announced yet, so. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think that was part of the original agreement. So, you know? <laughs> so Rigo is juiced up and ready to rock. Hey, I mean. If he isn't, they're going to be docking that pay. That's all I'm going to say. So get, pump him full of whatever he needs to be pumped full of to make it let entertaining. Me ask, let me ask you a serious question about this fight. Okay. Well, as serious as one can be asked. <laughs> involving Guillermo Rigondeau. Does the StubHub Center run the risk of losing its name, the Wargrounds, by having Rigo fight in its presence? That's all right. They'll call it the Punch Bowl while Rigo's there. <laughs> That's the gayest fucking name for the Punch Bowl. Who fucking calls it that? Mauro Ranallo calls it that. That's what he called it all fucking night on Saturday. Well, back here at the Punch Bowl. <laughs> sunday 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 grave digger Pee Wee herman calling fights man is what <laughs> he looks like fucking marilyn manson ate peewee herman that's what he looked he looked like at the last fight um all right here we go vin uh let's close the show with triller all right. Ah. There is a new boxing series. How many times have we heard about the new boxing series? You know, and let me just even Triller, who's made a lot of money in boxing so far. So good for them, I think. Maybe, maybe not, because they had to pay a lot of people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? But if you're gonna launch a new series, the most exciting thing about the series can't be that it's at Madison Square Garden. You don't launch a new television series. And then after this new series by Triller at Madison Square Garden, rap battles, right? And it's like, all right, all right, all right. And in the main event, Michael Hunter versus Mike Wilson. Does this not eerily remind you of, who was it? Dusty Harrison versus, who did he fight in the, in the fucking Rock Nation Oh, I, debut event. I can't remember it, yeah. it. It just couldn't have been a, 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 a more less exciting fight. Yeah. And a more less like less buzz around a fighter. And Dusty Harrison was the headliner. 
So now, look, Michael Hunter's probably a top 10, maybe ninth or 10th ranked heavyweight in the world. Michael Hunter's headlining this, and you're going to have Chris Algieri versus TBA. Because that's what Triller, you know, a brand created off of excitement and entertainment needs is Chris Algieri in the co-feature. <laughs> because not only can he make a mean avocado toast, but he punches fucking softer than Chris Colbert and Polly Malinaji combined. <laughs> Dude, anytime. If I... they're bringing, hey, hey, if they're bringing back Ruslan Provodnikov for a rematch, charge me $100 for that motherfucker. <laughs> sure. This thing immediately goes from, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look, dude, anytime I see one of these weekly announcements for a weekly series in boxing, I always have to wonder who, uh, and Triller obviously is going to be a paid platform or what? Is it going to be on versus? Is that what, is this going to be on a television station? What, what, what is it? I say, I, I don't, it's just to me, Triller seems lost. They jumped in the pool. They got all excited. You know, everything was fucking cool. Now they're still in the pool and they're like, all right. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck do I do now? Put some goggles on and look at my fucking feet or I throw the fucking ball back <laughs> over there. What do I do? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're doing. Like, this isn't going to fucking work. I don't, who cares? Tuesday night. Oh, I'd like to see boxing on weeknights. Well, let's just throw some shit out there on Tuesday night and we'll put a rat battle on afterwards. That'll, that'll that work. Sound, right? Yeah, that sounds like the fucking the PBC on DC 20 starring Rishi Warren. You remember <laughs> those? Like, you literally couldn't get it on cable or satellite. You literally had to have bunny ear antennas <laughs> to pick up that station. And I was like, oh shit, PBC covering all that groundwork. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, I gotta be honest. And I like Michael Hunter, uh, but I'm like, I'm all the way out on this series. I, I, there's enough boxing people, boxing people stop with the meat. We need more. There's enough. There's plenty of it. Every fucking where we don't need it on Tuesday and Friday and Saturday because we need to see all these guys. Some of these guys suck, so we don't need to see them. I mean, nothing, nothing uh, goes better together than rap battles and Chris Algieri. I mean, <laughs> made for each other whoever whoever built this card out was clearly thinking about all of that <laughs> joke, man. oh man all right let's get out of here man what say you let's do it brother all right we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 321 of the boxing rant podcast we'll be back next week uh as was it charlo castano fight preview week yes sir we start to schedule starts to pick up here soon nice and then so will my flappy cock but in the meantime <laughs> Um, spread the word patreon.com backslash boxing rant follow us on twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr and we'll see you next time thanks for subscribing to the boxing rant podcast but I'm the best ever my style is impetuous there's no one that can match me I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been my defense is impregnable anybody can get it